Uh, I love uh, the letters of Peter. Uh, of course, I love all of Scripture, but uh, these have become really precious to me. First uh, Peter uh, 1, uh, and I'm going to ask your permission not to wear my jacket. I'm just so hot that uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't be good. Uh, let's hear the Word of God as uh, God gives it to us in the first chapter of the first epistle of Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed 
from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is God's own word. Please have a seat. You know that um, I try to have something before the sermon to to hold on to if you're young, if you're real young, something that you might remember. And uh, today I was thinking about my dad. My dad um, never hit me. He never hit me in all the time I was growing up. Now, sometimes he said strong things to me, like, you bonehead, um, uh, because of the dumb things that I did, but he never hit me. And so I always wanted to be careful about my children, that they would never be afraid to be around me, never be afraid to tell me uh, what was going on in their lives. Um, Never kind of get back you know, oh, here's dad, and we better be careful because he might be mad. Well, sometimes we're afraid of God. We're afraid to come to God. We sometimes think God is this big, mean person and that he won't really be very nice to us if we come to him. But that's not God at all. If you belong to Jesus, if you've believed in the Son of God, then God's your father. Now, you have an earthly father, and you love him, but you have a heavenly father, too, if you belong to Jesus. And because of that, you never have to be afraid to come to God because God's never going to hit you. God's never going to make you cringe. So let's pray that we can understand something that God says in his word that helps us believe that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, please give me liberty Give us joy in the Holy Spirit, uh, clarity in our thinking, um, trust in your word when we have uh, a whole world around us that is telling us different things. Help us to believe instead what you say because you're telling us really how the world works and what is true. 
So we trust you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit teaches us, each one of us, help us to listen and learn the lessons that he's got. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a, it's a terrible thing to find people who, uh, who are filled with fear. Their lives are filled with fear about all kinds of things. A woman is filled with fear because of an abusive husband. And she does everything she can to keep him from coming to that point where he's going to blow up and maybe hit her at least yell at her. Sometimes children are afraid of their parents. read about one woman who saw herself as a demon assassin. And so she was always looking at her children's behavior and thinking maybe there's a demon there and her children were afraid of her. Fear can rule a person's life. Uh, we can be afraid of the government sometimes. Well, I won't go there. Uh, uh, but we shouldn't be afraid of God if we belong to Jesus. We shouldn't be afraid of God. I've always found um, what Peter says, it's repeated uh, from the Old Testament. Um, in verse 16 to be uh, kind of stop you in your tracks. You shall be holy for I am holy. Uh, We think about how unholy we are. How our lives don't measure up and we wonder is God going to be out to get us to slap us around because of what we're doing. Verse 17 actually mentions fear. Look at verse 17. He says, And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear, phobos, throughout the time of your exile. And there are people who have a phobia about God. They're afraid of God. Well, Peter isn't talking about that kind of fear. And to understand it, we're going to have to spend some time looking at the context for verse 17 and then looking at verse 17 in some detail. Peter has filled in, you might say, a lot of blanks about what God has done. He's talked about the work of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, Uh, He's talked about the inheritance, uh, how imperishable that inheritance is, uh, that God will guard uh, those who belong to him. Uh, I especially like uh, verse 7, which I've preached on, and some of you may remember, uh, the tested genuineness of your faith. And, uh, you know, we think, oh, dear, you know, what's, What's my faith going to do when it's tested? But uh, Peter is using uh, instead an idea there that uh, it's being tested to show 
what it's re- what is really there, that it really is a faith given by the Holy Spirit, because it's more precious than gold that perishes, and it will result in praise and glory when Jesus comes back. So uh, he's covered a lot of ground. He's talked about that inheritance and being kept by the power of God for salvation ready to be revealed. And the question is, do we believe it? Are we living in that reality? Um, I saw, and maybe you saw, the movie The King's Speech. Uh, The King's Speech was about uh, George VI of England. Uh, He took over from his brother Edward. Edward abdicated the throne in 1936. And George, who was the second son um, of his father, George V, um, found himself to be the king of England. Now, he had a stutter, and he had a very difficult time speaking in public. And here he was, now the representative of the British monarchy. He was the head of uh, England, the head of uh, the emperor of India, and all sorts of titles he had. Uh, and he had to speak, not not just uh, Winston Churchill, but he had to speak. And he had to overcome his stutter because he was now the king. He lived in Buckingham Palace, and if you know any of the story, he didn't leave London even during the Blitz. And as he lived as the king, he was living out what he was. In fact, he was the king. Edward had abdicated the throne, and he was the king. And God has declared us to be certain things, redeemed people, holy people, uh, his children. He's said that we are the obedient children of God, and we have to live like it. We have to think about it and understand it. And, And that's where we come into conflict with our own hearts because we read we're to be holy as God is holy, and we don't feel at all like that. We try to do things in our lives to keep on the right track. We read our Bibles and we pray and we come to church, all those things. But sometimes it just rises up in us and and we just say, what am I after all? Am I really holy? We have these tremendous things said about us again and again in the first verses of this chapter, and then we don't feel very good about ourselves. Now, if you look at verse 17 in the English Standard Version, it translates the opening words as, and if, and if. But that makes us think that there's a doubt if this is going to happen, if you're like this. Um, And really the sense of his word there is since. Since you call God your father. Since we are God's children, we're to be holy. Now, my last name is Doe, D-O-E, 
And all my life long, I've had jokes about John Doe and all kinds of things. But my father was Harry Doe. And his father was Fred Doe. And his father was Henry Doe from England. And so uh, it's an English name. And my dad never let me be ashamed of it. And he told me, you're going to get jokes all your life long. And so I've gotten it. All my life long, I've got jokes about my last name. Well, we're named by God to be his children. And do we believe that? God is the Christian's heavenly father. And we're supposed to live holy lives, devoted to to God, devoted lives because we are holy. Now he says in verse 17... And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially. But really, Peter writes, since father you call. Now, what he's done is move something to the front of the sentence to emphasize it. And so he wants us to think, think about God as father. That's the, you might say, the emphatic position, the emphatic word is Father. You call him Father. And you think about the religions of the world. Christianity is unique in calling God Father. Would you dare call Allah Father? That would be... That would be unthinkable for a Muslim. In Hindu Hinduism, how are you going to call God Father when there are a million gods? Which God are you calling Father? And of course, Jesus ran into trouble when he taught people to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. And the Jews were after him because he called God Father. But it's the privilege of the Christian to call God Father. Because of Christ's work on the cross, because of his redemption, you have the privilege of being children of God. Right now, your Savior is in heaven interceding for you and saying, these are your children declaring that we are to be cared for by God. To me, one of the most stunning verses in Jesus' wonderful prayer in John 17 is verse 23. Now, Jesus is praying to his heavenly Father, and he says this in his prayer, I in them, that is in believers, and you in me, that they may be perfectly may become perfectly one so that the world may now know that you sent me and listen to this and have loved them even as you loved me i get chills chills when i think about that you have loved them as you have loved me how does The father loved his son, Jesus. 
Jesus, the perfectly obedient child, the perfectly loving and trusting child, Jesus, who is the holy child. And yet Jesus says, you love them as you have loved me. Now, God's not confused about what we are. God knows that we have sinned. That's why Jesus came, because we've sinned, because we've fallen short of the glory of God. But instead of thinking of ourselves as unlovable sinners, we think of ourselves as sinners redeemed and loved in Jesus Christ. As sinners, we, apart from Christ, offend and arouse the wrath of God against our sin. That will be loosed on so many people in this world, won't it? People that you know and I know and people we love will experience the judgment of God because they don't know Jesus. But when we are united by faith to the Holy Son of God, God considers us his beloved children. And so by the Holy Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. This is what he, what Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 8, a chapter we read during Sunday school. Romans chapter 8, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, a cowering kind of fear, cringing kind of fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. So our heavenly Father calls us not to fear him as though uh, he is going to hit us, but to fear him as obedient children. Because he's our father, we hear those words, be holy even as I am holy, and they make sense to us. They're not fear-driven words. When our father is called upon, we are calling upon him to show his work in our lives because it is his work. It's not our work. We're not suddenly these super people who overcome sin on our own. It's because we're united to the overcoming Lord Jesus Christ who sends his overcoming spirit to us. Now, Paul called upon the emperor That's a famous part of the book of Acts, Acts 25. He wanted his case brought before the Roman highest authority, the emperor. And we can call upon God, the God who made heaven and earth, the God who is above all, the God who upholds all things by the word of his power, the God by whose will everything in the world happens. Nothing happens apart from his will. He rules over all things. And we 
appeal to him as our father in heaven. And so we have to live differently than the world around us because we're living, listening to a different word, the word of our God, the word that has stood the test of time. And so if you're a federal employee, when they ask, do you want to, in the federal campaign every year, do you want to support Planned Parenthood? You have to say no. You don't want to support Planned Parenthood. You don't want to support any abortion-driven organization like that. If you're a Christian, you have to say no to some TV programs. You maybe need to unsubscribe to Disney. Disney has gotten to be a cesspool of LBGTQ programming. And so you have to look at the things you're doing and say, and what am I doing things that are pleasing to my God, to my Heavenly Father? Now, Peter calls us exiles. He has used that phrase in verse 17, but he's also talked about it in verse 1. We are elect exiles. And that word exile is a word that means to live beside the house. Now, if you live in the house, you are claiming allegiance to that house. But if you live outside the house, if you live next to the house, you don't belong. You're not a resident of the house. So we are not residents of this world. What one person, uh, Edmund Clowney, has said, we are resident aliens resident aliens. We have a green card, but we're not looking to become citizens of this world. Our citizenship, as Peter, as Paul says in Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven. Do we live like citizens of heaven now? Is that evident in the choices we make and the ways we think? We have to live during this time, this chronos, this time in which uh, our lives are spent in this world. During this time, do we live as resident aliens whose citizenship is somewhere else? In Vermont, we used to live in Vermont. In Vermont, you would drive along the road and you'd see people camping in some of the woods around the city of Barrie. They camp there all year. Can you imagine living in the coldest state in the Union, (laughs) or one of the coldest states in the Union, in the snowfall that begins in October and continues until April, and not having an indoor plumbing? (laughs) I can't imagine that. I like camping, but I'll go camping for a few days, and then I want to go home and take a shower. Uh, But people are choosing to do that. And people all around us are choosing to live outside the will of God. They're choosing to live in the house, you might say, of this world, to dwell with the world's programs and ideas. 
but we're resident aliens. We have a green card because heaven is our true home and we're looking for something more permanent, God's presence. We know that we must stand before the judgment seat of God. God is an impartial judge. You know that earthly judges, as much as they may try it, are not impartial. They're affected by so many things. A judge may come to work and he's had or she has had trouble at home or their car broke down and they're late and so they're rushing and the first case comes before them and all they're thinking about is how they didn't get this done at home or that done at home. And then they have somebody come before them who is as guilty as can be. But their lawyer has told them, get yourself clean, get a shave, get a haircut, wear a clean tie, a clean shirt, come and be respectful to the judge. And the judge is swayed. They're not impartial at all. God is impartial. God says he will judge according to what he sees. So what hope is there for us? If God judges me according to what he sees, what am I going to do? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Oh, no. May receive what I've done in my body, what I've done in my mind, what I've said with my lips. What am I to do? Now, Peter and Paul haven't momentarily forgotten that salvation is by grace. But they're talking about the reality that our sin must be dealt with. But it's dealt with, praise God, in the body of the Son of God. He's the one who suffers for my sins so that when God will look at me, he will see the perfection and righteousness of his Son. That's why God's love will be poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul will say in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Peter will go on to say in verses 18 and 19 that we are redeemed not by perishable things, but by the precious blood of Jesus. Because in Jesus Christ, we have a righteousness with no defects. There are no flaws in the armor that Christ covers us with. Though God has known our deeds, though he is impartial judge, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. And so we come to love God and give thanks to him, to call upon him as Father, and to want in every way to honor and glorify him. Paul has told us in Romans 8.15 you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear fear is not 
that kind of motivation for the child of God. The person who's been adopted into God's family doesn't cringe because God is going to wreak vengeance upon them. Instead, we know that God has had that judgment brought against us in the body of his son. And so we have a hope. It's a kind of hope that can't be ashamed or disappointed. We need that hope because we have such a hard time living righteous and holy lives. God graciously works in us and he trains us and disciplines us. Right now, all over the country, there are athletes preparing and training for the next competition, whether it's a football game, a soccer game, a golf tournament, or something else. And, of course, the World Series. And the athletes are doing their best to improve. And as Christians, we want to change. So we look for ways that we can put aside the sin that so easily besets us. Are we in a situation of temptation? Do we know how to flee it? Do we know how to run from it? Do we know that God has promised that no temptation shall overtake us but such as is common to man, but that God will provide a way of escape? Do we believe that? Are we looking for it? If we are growing in Christ, we should be seeing some signs that, yes, we're overcoming sin. No, it is not as prevalent in our lives as it was before. That the word of gossip or envy or jealousy dies on our lips before it comes out of our mouths. Our default position is that we are now under Christ's righteousness. If I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, I'm going to live a different life. I'm going to live a life of faith and repentance. Repentance that is not just a one-time thing, but it's an ongoing thing. I'm not to be a moralist that thinks that I'm accepted by God by what I do, but instead I'm an obedient child. I love the hymn, Before the Throne of God. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just, the just judge, is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. God is impartial, but he looks at us in Jesus Christ. If we truly believe that God is the just judge of all the earth, we have to look to Christ and find our hope in Christ, that God has taken the sacrifice of his son, a a lamb without spot or blemish. 
He's taken that sacrifice and applied it to us. Christ stands in our place. So this isn't fear-driven living as though somehow God is about ready to hit us, but rather, I don't want to disappoint my Heavenly Father. I don't know about you, but that becomes something that I do think about. Not because if I don't get an A, Daddy's going to beat me, but my Father is so kind, so full of mercy, so gracious to me. How can I do this terrible thing? Like Joseph, how can I sin against God when he runs away from Potiphar's wife? In the words of Psalm 103, as a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Or what John says in 1 John 4, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loves us. One of my favorite writers, commentators on the book of First Peter is an old Scotsman by the name of Robert Layton. And Layton summarized his thinking about this verse. He said, I will not sin because my father is this just judge, but for my frailties I will hope for mercy because the judge is my father. William Cooper, in his famous hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way, said, Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread or fear are big with mercy and shall break with blessings on your head. We're holy because our Father is holy. Let's pray. Our Father, we are called upon to live lives that are different than the world around us. Lives that show your goodness to us and show the glory of a Savior who is perfect and gives us his perfect righteousness. We ask that you might teach us uh, to flee from sin, to turn away from those situations of temptation that call us to um, turn from our God. We want to be more and more holy. Please, uh, Lord, you know we feel so hypocritical sometimes because we say that and we know how much we love our sin. Help us to hate it as you hate sin and to love instead the righteousness which you love. Help us to be people whose lives reflect whose we are, where our home is, truly, with you in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.